You are listening to the Discovery City Church Sermon Podcast. To learn more about us, including our location and service times, please visit us at discoverycitychurch.com. We hope this sermon will encourage and build your faith as you pursue God, community, and influence within your world. Now, the message from our lead pastor, Caleb York. How many of you remember Kool-Aid? Kool-Aid. Some of you are like, uh, Kool-Aid's still around, Caleb. What are you talking about? Yeah, Kool-Aid's still around, but it's not as popular as it was when I was a kid. When I was a kid, Kool-Aid was everywhere. Like, my mom always had a pitcher of grape Kool-Aid in the refrigerator. It was always around, but, and, and it even had all these different features. Remember, there was a Kool-Aid that could change colors in certain temperatures and things like that. They would, you'd add ice, and all of a sudden, it would start to, the chemicals would react, and you would see a different color. Kool-Aid was so cool when I was a kid. But a, a certain phrase became very popular uh, probably a while back, but it really came out as Kool-Aid began to become more famous, was the phrase, drinking the Kool-Aid. Now, if you've heard that phrase before, you know that is not a good phrase. You don't want to be caught drinking the Kool-Aid. The reason why is because there was a man by the name of Jim Jones, and uh, he was a cult leader several, several years ago. And he had a following that he actually convinced them to sell everything that they had. And they moved to a property that he had purchased in South America and named it in his own honor, Jonestown. He convinced all these people to move down there. And they lived in like a communal type living situation where everyone's just kind of like, they were were like doing like buffet style meals and stuff like that. That was the living style they had. And Jim Jones came along one day and said, you know what? I want you to drink this Kool-Aid. And this Kool-Aid was laced, it was laced with poison. And pretty much, if, if you know the history behind this phrase, if you know the history and the story of Jim Jones, pretty much almost everybody died down there because they drank this poison, including Jim Jones himself. And we see that this phrase began, drinking the Kool-Aid. We have this, this phrase that people have used today, drinking the Kool-Aid. And is it not true that today in our culture, it's trying to push drinking the Kool-Aid onto people? We have a culture that's trying to get us to drink some of the Kool-Aid. They're wanting us to, to, we're living in a generation where many people think, uh, we live in a generation where many people that maybe we know or that we live with or maybe some of this room today, you're drinking the Kool-Aid without even thinking about it. You're giving into what this culture wants, what this culture says. But you've been drinking a Kool-Aid that's been laced with poison. And because of it, we wonder why our world is littered with destruction and devastation. Because some of us have been drinking the Kool-Aid. We've been believing everything that's been fed to us. And so today, we're going to talk about a very uncomfortable topic at times. We're going to be talking about the institution of marriage, but then we're also going to be talking about gay marriage and homosexuality. Because our culture has been feeding us this Kool-Aid when it comes to these topics right here. And these topics right here can be very, very tense. If you brought this up at work, trust me, it's going to get very tense in the room. And some of you, you're already tensing up right now. I just want you to, I, I just want you to do this real quick. Just relax. It's going to be all right. I know it's a tense top, topic. It's a tough subject, but we're going to be all right. You know, it's something that we don't want to talk about. It's something that people get defensive about. But we're going to talk about it today. Why? Because God's word has a lot to say about it. God's word has a lot to say on this very topic. For some of us in this room, 
Many of us are in one of many different mindsets. In this room, there can be a different kind of stance when it comes to this topic. And so I'm going to give you just a couple over this morning. One of them, one group I like to call is this, the nonchalant group. You're kind of like, hey, as long as they're not bothering me, as long as they're not bothering what I'm doing and who I am, they can do whatever they want. As long as it doesn't affect me. We have people like that in our world. And maybe you're here this morning and that's kind of been your stance. Is, you know, I'm just kind of nonchalant about the gay lifestyle today. Whoever wants to do whatever they want to do, I don't care. They can do whatever they want. Just leave me alone. There's another group. Maybe you're here this morning. And this group is what I call the silent group. And they're not exactly silent, but there's a struggle going on inside them. There's a struggle going on inside them where maybe they're feeling an attraction to the same sex. There's an attraction to the same sex, and maybe they haven't acted on it. Maybe, maybe you have acted on it. But I want you to know this this morning. This is something that I want to lay out straight from the get-go. We as a church, Discovery City Church, welcome everyone. We do. We welcome everyone. Everyone is welcome to come to these doors and to be a part of our service. Now, there might be another group in this room, and I want to call them the defiant. You showed up this morning as, saw as, you, as soon as you saw that text this morning. Oh, they're talking about this? Well, guess what? i got to be there because i got to hear something. He says, I'm going to take something that, that Caleb says, and I'm going, to, I'm going to take it. I'm going to blast it out on, on the social media because this topic has been a sore topic for you in the past. It's been a topic that maybe has hurt you in the past. And so to make yourself feel better, you'll take something that I want to say this morning and you'll spew it out into the world, either through Facebook, social media, whatever it may be. Tweet it. This morning, for you that's here and you're part of that group, just chill out. Just relax. It's going to be okay. This morning, what we're going to do is we're going to look at God's perspective on this. Not Caleb York's perspective. We're going to look at God's perspective and what he has to say about this. And God's perspective, if you don't realize it, is, is this. It's crazy. God's perspective is crazy because he irrationally loves every single one of us. He irrationally loves every single one of us here. There's no reason why he should love us. There's no reason that he should love me. But the Bible tells us that he does. For you that are here this, today and like, you're ready to pounce, you're ready to be offended, I just want you, I just want you to relax. It's, it's going to be all right. Jesus spoke the truth, and that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to speak the truth in love, because that's what Jesus did. We as a church, we love people enough to tell them the truth, and we're going to continue to do that. We're going to continue to do that as a church, but we're going to speak the truth in love. I think that's the important key that we find behind Jesus, because at the end of the day, every single one of us in here are all sinners. Nobody's perfect. We're all sinners saved by grace that, that Jesus came and died for. We're all in need of a Savior, and with that, we're hopeless, regardless of what we say our lifestyle is. Now, there's another group, and maybe you're here in this room this morning, and you're the reliant group. You're people that are part of a group that you might make this statement, well, you know what? I do what the Bible says. I just rely on what God's Word says, but you don't know what God's Word says. You can't speak truth to someone. You can't even talk to someone about God's word because you've never even researched God's word on the topic. 
You've never researched God's word and what it says about today and about the gay lifestyle, about homosexuality. You've never done the research. So how can you really rely on God's word if you don't even know what it says? And so I want to say to you that God never asks us to check our brain at the door. So many times we do that. Maybe you've grown up in church. Maybe you've been through some messages where the pastor, it was just a snooze fest. Maybe that's going to happen this morning. I don't know. And you've built this kind of motive as as soon as you walk in the door, you check your brain at the door. This morning, God never called us to do that. He never called us to check our brain at the door and stop thinking when it comes to these different topics. He, wants, he doesn't want us to just stick our head in the sand and just ignore it and act like it's not happening. That's not what he wants. He wants us to research. He wants us to investigate his word. Because we're supposed to speak truth in love. But you can't speak truth if you don't know the truth. And so today we're going to Look at this topic, this very hot topic in our world today. But the first thing I want you to do is this. If this is your first time here this morning, go and get your service guides out. I want to challenge you this morning. Take notes with us this morning. You know, maybe you're used to going to church where you kind of come in and you stare at the screen or you stare off into space and then the message is over and you're, you like walk out of here and nothing else changes. We don't want that to happen this morning. We actually want you to grow. We actually want God to speak to you. So this morning, follow along with us. On the inside flap, you'll see our message notes. We've got pens on every seat. Every seat, take notes with us, with us. Uh, follow along. We're going to have them up on the screen because we want God to speak through you. If you hear something else where God's speaking to you, write it down too. Let God change you. We think it's going to help if you write some stuff down. The first thing I want you to write down is this. At Discovery City Church, we base everything we do and everything we believe on two things. Everything we do and everything we believe on two things. The first thing I want you to write down is this. Jesus Jesus and his lordship. We base everything on two things. The first thing is Jesus and his lordship. We base everything we do on that. He's in charge. Whatever he says, we do. That's how we focus on That's how we look at it. We don't understand everything in life, but guess what? We trust him. We can trust Jesus and what he says. We listen to him and apply what he says to our life. We don't just come. It's not just like a ceremony. We just come and you get points for just being here, sitting in the seat. No, that's not how it works. God wants to change your life and he wants to change the way you act out in the world. And so we apply this to our life and what he says. Jesus and his lordship. The second thing is this. Write this down. The authority of the Bible. The authority of the Bible. When we have questions, we don't just say, well, you know what, I feel this way, or you know, I, this kind of makes me feel tingly, so that's just kind of what I'm going to, no, that's not how we do things here. The Bible is our authority. We actually ask the question, what does the Bible say? What's the Bible going to say on this topic? What's the Bible going to say on this area that I'm looking at? God has given us everything that we need to know to do this life the best way possible. That's the reason why we say the Bible is our guide. It's a guide, that's what it is. It's not just a story for you to read. It's an actual guide for your, for your life. Otherwise, I could go out this next week and eat some bad pizza and come back this next Sunday and be like, hey, you know what? You know what? By the way, I think you all should just follow me. I, you, know, I, you should just do what I tell you to do. I'm in charge now. I'm God. And what are you going to say? No, we're not going to do that. Why? Because God's word says to follow no man. You don't worship no man. God is the one that we base everything on. And that's why we have his word. That's why his word is our authority. And so understanding these things right here, 
I want you to turn your Bible to Matthew chapter 19. If you've got your phone device, we'll have it up on the screen. Matthew chapter 19 verse 4 is where we're going to dive in this morning. We see Jesus right here in this scripture that we're reading, and he's having a discussion, actually talking about divorce. He's talking about divorce. But through this topic of divorce, he gives us the basis for marriage. He gives us the basis for the marriage union. He says this, Matthew chapter 19, verse 4, says this. He answered, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And said, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. God made them uniquely male, uniquely female. A man has certain qualities. He has certain attributes. A female has certain qualities and certain attributes. But I want you to catch this. If you've never caught this before, marriage is nothing more than a reflection of God's relationship with his people. Did you know that? It's nothing more than a reflection of God's relationship with his people. There is masculine and there is feminine. And we see Jesus many times is described in scripture as the bridegroom. They use this bride and groom analogy, this illustration to really lay it out for us. Jesus is described as the bridegroom, the church, which includes us as the Christians. We are known, we are described many times as the bride. And it pictures God's interaction with his people. One man and one woman. And Jesus, he talks about this page after page after page. When it comes to what the Bible says about marriage, there's two things we need to deal with. Two things we need to deal with. The first thing is the power of marriage. The power of marriage. I want you to tell you this first and foremost. God created sex. He did. He created it. Some of you were like, I can't believe I just heard someone say that in church this morning. Like, you thought it was a bad word growing up. I can't believe he's even talking about it. There's a young boy in the room. He already knows about it. He's heard about it. They're talking about it at school. I was a youth pastor for 10 years. I know what they're talking about at school. God created sex. And maybe this morning you're feeling kind of weird and strange, but like I said, I was a youth pastor for years. I've been talking about this for years, the topic of sex for the last 11 years. And so right now I'm going to talk about sex. Sex was given by God. It's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. We look at it as something disgusting and evil, but you know what? Sin has made it disgusting. Sin has made it a thing that is wrong, but God created it as a good thing. And he gave it to man for two reasons. Number one, for pleasure, and number two, for procreation. We see in the beginning, man and woman were naked, and they weren't ashamed. They weren't ashamed until sin entered the world, until sin came on the page and changed everything. And now things have become strange and awkward because sin has screwed everything up. When I was a youth pastor, we talked on this topic. We, we, we actually went through a series where we talked about marriage. We talked about sex, but then we talked about same-sex attraction. And so we sat down, and I had this kind of like sit-down discussion because I wanted the students to talk back and interact with me. And so I, I began to talk about, you know, how many of you know someone in your school that deals with same-sex attraction? How many do, know somebody like that? And all, every single one of them raised their hand. And so I said, how do you talk to someone like, about that? How do you talk to someone who struggles with same-sex attraction about Jesus? How do you minister to that person? 
And so we began to have a discussion and begin to talk about that and lay out what God's word says about same-sex attraction. I even had a student, it was kind of crazy, but I had a student, he raised his hand. I'm like, yeah, you know, what can I help you with? You know, what's your question? He said, man, I just don't get it. Like the parts, they just don't fit. The parts don't fit. And, you know, for us, we're like, okay, it's understandable. We get it. But the truth is, that's not far from the truth. The parts don't fit. What does Jesus say in that scripture? He says that we, are made, we, we become one flesh. Man and wife come together as one flesh. It doesn't work. The homosexual lifestyle, it doesn't work. It doesn't fit. It doesn't work. There's power in marriage. The second thing we need to look at and deal with is we find out that there's purpose in marriage. It's the building blocks of who we are. Children. They need a masculine and then they need a feminine influence. As a youth pastor, I dealt with this so many times as students would come in and their, and their moms, I had single moms who would come in and one of their biggest concerns and one of the biggest things they would bring up is that they needed a male influence in their child's life. Why? Because God has a plan for the family. He has a plan that he's created for the family, a masculine and a feminine influence. But seven times we see in Scripture, four times in the Old Testament, three times in the New Testament, where God specifically, where Jesus specifically talks about, God says to flee homosexuality. Every time. Every time he comes up, he says, don't do it. Because he's got a plan for the family. He has a plan that we need to follow. Because he knows what's best. My older brother Ben, he's a pastor over in Hilliard. Uh, planted a church seven, seven, eight years ago over there called Guide Church. But when we were kids, we went on a family ski trip to a place called Monarch. And so it was our first time, me and the boys, to go skiing. So, you know, what do you do when it's the first time? You go and you get on the bunny hill and you ride down the little slopes and you, you kind of try to catch, you know, you try to get some kind of balance and figure out how it all works. And so my older brother, he got to a point where he felt like, I'm good enough. Like, I'm ready to go up further. And so he gets on the lift and he goes further up the mountain and he enjoyed going down the regular slopes. He had a fun time with that, but he kind of started looking over towards like the wooded areas and he was like, man, you know, there's something about that fresh powder. When you're skiing on fresh powder, dude, it's just a lot more fun. And so he decided, hey, I'm going to go skiing over there on that fresh powder. So he started working and what he would do is he'd be weaving in and through the trees, making his own trails is what he was doing making his own trails back and forth. And he said, after a while, you know, he was going so far. And every time he saw a trail that someone made, he kind of went the other direction to keep making his own trail. And he said, after a while, he started looking around and he couldn't see anybody in sight. He couldn't see any other people. He couldn't see any other skiers. He didn't see any other trails other than his trails. And so he just said, I just kept going and going. And finally, I saw one of the patrol stations. And so I went up to that patrol station and I walked in and he said there were two guys on duty inside. And they both looked at him like confused. They looked at each other and they're like, what is this kid doing here? And so they're like, young man, did you know you're not supposed to be back here. You're on the backside of the mountain. And not only that, you've got the beginnings of frostbite on your face. Like you're not, did you not see the fence where you're supposed to be? Did you not see the fences that, that were supposed to stop you from coming over here? You know, several years later, I was in Bible college, and I had a professor my freshman year that said this when it comes to fences. He said, when, when God sets up fences in Scripture, whenever you see one, ask this question, what is it there for? 
What is it there for, and what is his purpose behind that? You know what? God sets up these fences in our life. When we study God's word, he created these fences for a reason. Because he knows what's best for us. He knows what's best for us emotionally, psychologically, physically, and sexually. And when it comes down to someone testing the boundaries, when it comes to someone who says, you know what? I don't care what this fence is about. I don't care why God would put this in place. It always comes down to a trust issue. It always comes down to a trust issue. Either he's God or I'm God. It's always a trust issue. Write this down. Second thing, we align, we either align to God's word or we malign God's word. It always comes down to a trust issue. You know what? God tells us how our bodies should be used. God creates this plan for the family and he puts up these fences of protection around us. And God's word is in place. It's here in our life so that we can either align to it or we malign it. We distort it. We make it say what we want it to say. The Bible is a book of alignment. And so many people, we act like it's not important. We act like we don't have to listen to it. We can do whatever we want because guess what? I'm God and you're not God, all right? I'm God. I'm in charge. I'm in control. It always comes down to a a trust issue. Do you trust God with those fences that he's put in your life? As a youth pastor, I dealt with this on a weekly basis, having discussions with young adults that were either struggling with homosexuality or are actually living the homosexual lifestyle. And I had a lot of times where, guess what, you don't just come out of Bible college and know how to talk to someone who's struggling in those situations. I had to study. I had to do research. I had to do interviews. I had to talk to people. I had to prepare. And one of the questions that I often heard was this from the students. Why are there so many people... Why, why, are there, why are there so many people that are gay or find themselves attracted to the same sex? Why is that? Why does it seem like they're everywhere? And so through research, I had to put together, and here's some of the main reasons that I found. I want you to write them down this morning. The first one I see is this, an environmental influencer. An environmental influencer. You know, if you discuss this with somebody who's either living the homosexual lifestyle or they're struggling with same-sex attraction, if you discuss it with them, this is what they'll tell you. Well, you know, back in my family life, you know, when I was growing up, I either had an absent father or an absent mother, and so because of that, I went through a lot of struggles that I didn't have to go through, a lot of struggles that I had to deal with. I had a lot of struggles that I had to, to, to go through, struggles that, you know, most people never had. And so my situation's a little bit different. My situation is completely different from most people's situation. Because of that, I have issues with bitterness and this and that. And that's the reason why they said they struggle with same-sex attraction. Another one I saw was this, experimental situation. Write this down, experimental situation. An older friend or a trusted relative had a sexual encounter with them at an impressionable age. And this one is the most common of all of them. This is what I heard the most of. Many teachers said, you know, I I struggle with anger towards the opposite sex or even being comfortable with someone that isn't exactly like me. And so because of that, I've decided to go down this lifestyle. I've decided to go down this path. Another one we, we hear is chemical. 
It's chemical. There's a chemical inside me. There's something inside of me that makes me feel this way. Years ago, I don't know if you remember this, but research was done to discover the gay gene. Do you remember that? It was several years ago. They even had it all over the news. The research to find the gay gene in this whole research study was supposed to help them tell who was gay and who wasn't. But can I tell you, through all the research and everything that they did, they never found anything. They never found anything. Dr. Jeffrey Santover, a professor at MIT and Harvard, this is what he said. He said, what the majority of respected scientists now believe is that homosexuality is attributed to a combination of psychological, social, and biological factors. You know what's interesting with that statement that he says? What he's saying is exactly what the Bible's been saying for years. Every single one of us has a bent towards badness. In the church, it's what we call a sin nature. We all have this bent towards badness. We all have this desire. Nobody taught me how to be selfish, all right, guys? Nobody taught me at a young age how to say, mine, that's mine. That's my toy, don't take that. Nobody taught me that. We have a sin nature. We have this bent towards badness. Every single one of us was born with this bent. But can I tell you this? We still have a choice. We still have a choice. For someone to say, I have no choice, is like saying, you know what, I had a coach years ago who was very, who was very uh, unkind. And so because of that, I have to be an unkind person today. Like, it doesn't make any sense. It's not a very good illustration or example because someone else did this. No, you don't. You have a choice. We are a combination of nature and nurture with the ability to choose. I hear all the time, well, you know, I have this desire inside of me. And desire, it doesn't lie. Oh, really? Well, I was born with a desire to have sex with someone that I'm not married to. I was born with that. I still struggle with that from time to time. That desire inside of me. But guess what? I don't do it. Because it's wrong. Because it's something that God has said you shouldn't do. It, it doesn't make it okay just because it's the desire that you have. We live in a world today that says my desire is greater than what God says. Whatever I want, whatever I want to do, I don't care what God says, I'm just going to do it. It always comes down to trust, doesn't it? It's always a trust issue. Do you trust God? Or are you just going to do whatever you feel like doing? It always comes down to trust. I hear all the time, well, I'm wired this way. I'm wired this way. This is the way that I am. And you know what I would say? I agree with you. We're all wired this way. We're all wired. We're all sinners. Some of us lean towards uh, slothfulness. Some of us lean towards laziness. Some of us lean towards greed or other things, lust or anger. Pick a sin. We all lean one way or another. We all have this bent towards badness. But we still are given a choice. If you believe what his word says, you can follow what it says. Or you can say, you know, God, you're not in charge. I'm in charge. I'm the one in charge. I'm the one calling the shots. And then you begin to tear down the fences that he's created and he's built up in its place. And I tell you, he didn't put them there to hurt you. He didn't put them there to hurt you. He actually put them there because he wants what's possibly best for your life. And so it so happens, you know what? He created life. 
I think we can take his word on it, can't we? He created life. Well, let me just tell you, it's, it's within me to be this way. And you know what I would say to you? You're right. Look at Mark chapter 17, or Mark chapter 7, verse 21. Mark chapter 7, verse 21 says this. It says, for from within, out of the mouth of man comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality. That word right there, it actually comes from the Greek word pornea. It's where we get the word pornography. It includes any sex outside of marriage, homosexuality, adultery, premarital sex. Just to, just to lay this out, it's all wrong. All those are wrong, just in case you're confused. It continues, says theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wit, uh, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. In other words, they make a person unclean. And I'll be the first to confess this morning. I've got the potential for every single one of these in my heart to let them run rampant and control my life. Every single one of us was built this way. It always comes down to choice. Do I trust God with all that I am or do I call the shots? Do I pick and choose and still think that I'm God? Because either he's God or you're God. You know, the gay community in our world today, it's a powerful community. It's a powerful community. It has a lot of pull. It has a lot of sway in our world today. Can I tell you, we are a brand new church. We're only six months old. This is awesome. I love seeing you guys here this morning. We've had some families coming back. We're, we're slowly growing. We're slowly watching God just kind of build this church, and we're excited about that. But even as a little baby, brand new church, we've already had people come in and ask questions about this very topic. Well, what do you think about homosexuality? What do you think about gay marriage? We've had people ask those questions. And when those people ask this question, I let them know that people living in this lifestyle are always welcome. People living in this lifestyle are always welcome because I want them to know that we're not about building walls. We're about building bridges to them. We're not about building walls to keep people out and to keep people who are sinners. We gotta keep those dirty sinners out. No, 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 we're all sinners. We're about building bridges to them and reaching them the way that someone reached us. Sharing with them Jesus the way someone shared Jesus with us and shared the truth with us. We accept everybody at this church. There may be someone here that you're living a sexually immoral life. Maybe you're here this morning and you're a cheater or you're a liar. You're a manipulator. Guess what? I want to tell you this this morning. We accept you and you're welcome here but we don't approve of your behavior. You're welcome here, but we don't approve of your behavior. We live in a culture that wants us to drink the Kool-Aid, that acceptance is the same as approval. It's not. It's really not. We'll always accept a person, no matter what their background is, no matter who they were, no matter their leaning, but we will love them enough to speak the truth to them in love. God wants something better for their lives and for your life. But yet we see so many times people, they just settle for less. Man, they settle for less in their marriages, in dating, in finances, in work, in our family. We settle for less. 
Because that's, but Jesus taught us something else. Jesus taught us that we will always hate homosexuality. We will always love the homosexual. We will. We will always hate adultery, but we will love the adulterer. We will always hate lying, but we will always love the liar. I ask you today, Discovery City Church, are you prepared for the world that we live in? Are you prepared? Some of you, maybe you're here this morning, you're shaking your head, you're like, oh yeah, I'm ready. I'm prepared. I'm ready to roll. Well, you know, I, I, I'm prepared. I got, I'm, I got this going. What happens if that homosexual couple moves in next door to you? What do you do then? Sure, you're ready for when they walk in the door. What happens if you see them every single day? Are you prepared? Would you talk to them or would you give them dirty looks? Stare at them half the time. Would you invite them to church? That's what God's called us to do. Because we're called to reach a world that is lost and in sin. That's what we're called to do. That's what we're supposed to do. This morning, I got to tell you also, we got to talk about the gay agenda in our world today. There's an agenda. And if you're here this morning and you're part of that group that's kind of like, you know, let's let them do their own thing, or maybe you're burying your head in the sand, there's an agenda in our world today in the gay community. And so this morning, I actually, I want to give you some, some statistics in just a few minutes, but we see that this agenda that says gay marriage is conventional, it's normal, and the sooner you get past it, the quicker you get over it, the better it's going to be for you. That's the agenda they're pushing. Just get over it. Just, hey, listen, just get over it. Let this thing happen. That's the kind of mindset, that's the kind of thought pattern that they're pushing through social media, through the, they're pushing through media and their powerful community. This morning, I want to give you some things just to kind of lay out some stuff. Maybe it might make you mad. Maybe it won't. I don't know. Maybe this is new information for you. But I want to give you some statistics from Bell and Weinstein, a study that they did. Here are the statistics. Uh, a study that they did that, uh, that was just with people that they identified as gay or lesbian. study said this. 43% of gay men had over 500 or more partners. 500 or more partners. Those that identified gay or lesbian, 75% had over 100 or more partners. 28% had over 1,000 partners. The gay community has an agenda. And their practices, this is what their practices are. This is not what God had in mind for the family. This is not the same thing we're talking about within the bonds of marriage. A Gallup poll was done a while back, a few years back, that asked this question, how many people are gay in America today? Anybody remember this poll? It was a few years back. The response was this. The majority said between the percentage of 25 and 26% of Americans are gay. They identify as either gay or, or, or lesbian. 25 to 26%. You know what the LGBT community came out and said their data put their percentage at? 4.5%. Man, did, did you think it was going to be more? A lot of people thought it was going to be more. Because the agenda is telling us that it's everywhere. 1% of households in America identify themselves as gay or lesbian. Out of that 1%, 8% have those, of those have children in the household. 
So many people think that it's just everywhere. That's what social media wants you to think. That's what media, that's what news wants you to think. They want you to think that it's everywhere. Just get used to it. Just let it happen. It's coming anyways. You can't stop it. And it's not true. It's not true. That's part of Satan's lie right here. He wants you to believe this lie. For us to say, you know what, let's just deal with it because everyone's dealing with it. Everyone's struggling with it, so we might as well just give in and just embrace it. This is an agenda in our world today. But you know what, we need to remember what Scripture tells us. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 says this, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexual immoral nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. And I love that right there because that's speaking to you and me. That's speaking directly to me. That's who I was. That list was exactly who I was. But notice what it says in the rest of it, verse 11. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. I were all that stuff. I was. But now, I'm not. Because I've been washed in the blood of Jesus. Because of Jesus and what he did on the cross for me. Because I gave my life to him. Guess what? I'm not that anymore. When God looks at me, he doesn't see me anymore. He sees the blood of his son. That's what he sees. I'm not who I was. And when we live in a world today, we all live in a world today where it's time for us as words to reach out to a world that is. We're a bunch of words. We need to reach a world that is. To start not by changing or cleaning them. So many times we get that in our mindset. Well, if I can only just change them from doing this, God could really get a hold of our life. No, no, no. The first step is Jesus. We need to give them Jesus. We need to tell them Jesus because Jesus changes everything. He's the one that washes. He's the one that sanctifies. He's the one that justifies. I love that word justify right there. Do you know what the simple definition of that word is? Just as if you never sinned. (laughs) That's the simple definition of the word justified. He justifies us. We were made right with him. And it's time to speak truth in love. The problem is, a lot of Christians today have never investigated God's word. They've never investigated God, God's word. There's no speaking the truth because you don't know the truth. Today, are you going to continue to be a Christian that continues to stick your head in the sand? And just say, well, you know what? I know this is wrong, but I, I, I guess there's nothing I can do about it. And just go on with what you're doing. Or are you going to actually investigate why it is that people struggle with this. Why they go through this. Why they enter this lifestyle. What God is saying to us is so clear in his word. Next week, we're going to talk about vulgarity. You're going to love it. You really are. 
But I want to close this message this morning with a message to the gay community. We, as a church, will always speak the truth in love. We will. We will always show respect to every person who comes in here. Not approval, but acceptance. From the pornographer to the slanderer to the adulterer, we will understand that it's not certain people. The problem is sin. We can try to label people all we want. The problem is sin. It's sin in this world today. It's Satan's agenda. It always has been and always will be. To those people who are struggling with sin, I offer this first step right here. Accepting Jesus as your Savior. Has there been a time where you've made him the Lord of your life? And this morning as I was thinking through this, this is a great opportunity. There's never been a time where you've asked Jesus to become your Lord and Savior to do so. Well, I don't want to step out. I don't want to say anything because then everybody's going to think I'm a homosexual. No, that's not the case. The problem is not homosexuality. The problem is sin. Do we trust God? Or do we trust in ourselves? This morning you might say, there's never been a time where I've asked Jesus to become the Lord of my life. This would be an awesome morning to make that decision today because he's going to change you. We're not going to change you. We're not going to clean you up. Jesus is going to do that. Maybe for some of you as Christians, it's time to get your head out of the sand and see the world around you. See the people who are in need for Jesus. The Bible says whoever calls on his name will be saved. And then guess what? He'll save you. He'll save them. Then when he he saves you, he's the one that changes your desires. He's the one that changes your thoughts. He's the one that changes your leanings. He's the one that does that. If you could take this message to someone else, let him change your life and then take it to someone else and allow it to change their life. We see in Hebrews that Jesus was tempted in all kinds of ways, in every way possible. Did you know that didn't exclude homosexuality? You don't think Satan tried to tempt him with everything that he had? But when he saves you, Jesus lives in you. And the power that he had to overcome that sin, that temptation straight from Satan, guess what? That power is now in you. And you have that power to overcome that sin inside of you. You don't have to just live your life the way you've lived it up to this point. You don't have to just continue to be who you've been. When you understand God's word, when you understand the truth that his way of life is better than anything we could ever do ourselves. If we just trust him, it always comes down to a trust issue. Do you trust him? Do you trust him with your life? Do you trust him with everything? Because either he's God or you're God. What are you going to choose today? Thank you for listening to the Discovery City Church podcast. If you've been impacted by this ministry and would like to help us continue to help others, you can give online at discoverycitychurch.com give.